Uh, you know what, Lucas? They've been asking. They've been asking for this one, so I gotta. You know, I gotta do it to him. <clears throat> Mrs. Fink, what if we can only find one word that rhymes? That's right. Thank you. Thank so, you. Thank what you. is that character's <laughs> name again? The Mrs. Th um, Fink kid. So his name is Kenny. I think Kenny. his name is Kenny. I looked this up the other day. Um, so yeah, his name. His name is Kenny, and I believe he had a second name as well. Uh, so I'm on, uh, once again, thanks to the Ar Arthur Wiki. His name is Kenny. He is identified as Bentley Valinakis on Mr. Ratburn's fourth grade class list. So uh, he's uh, living a double life, it seems. I would say that. Uh, what a fake name, uh, Bentley. <laughs> what was the last name again? Valinakis. Bentley Valinakis. That's going to be my new like. If I ever have to, you know, check into a hotel, <laughs> and I don't want the ECL fans to know it's me, you know, and harass me, I'll be my stage name, Bentley Valinakis. Valinakis. That's, that's wild. Yeah, I love that they gave him a Greek last name. There's so many fun things you can do there. Welcome, everybody, to Elwood City Limits, uh, the episodic Arthur podcast. Uh, I'm Will Young and my co-host, Lucas Mancini. Uh, a little bit later than usual this week, but we've got... I, You know what? I was saying to Lucas off-air, I'm actually kind of glad that we're recording when we are because there's a couple things to talk about that have happened overnight Thursday into Friday. So, uh, and... I think, first of all, I want to uh, address this out front. I want to thank, do one more thank you to everybody who took the time to nominate and vote for us as part of the Best of Halifax 2021. Uh, unfortunately, we did not place this year, but that's okay. Um, we, there's some other great new podcasts that have been spotlighted. And it's always fun to get into the spirit of it. And exactly. uh, we'll, keep, we'll keep trying again and maybe next year. Maybe next year. Uh, and we're, you know, we know we're the number one podcast in your hearts, and that's what really matters. Absolutely. And we do have things to celebrate this week besides that, so I don't want it to, you know, to be doom and gloom or anything like that. As a matter of fact, Lucas, we just hit a couple of milestones on social media. First of all, over 200 likes on Facebook. Woo! and. Over 600 followers on Twitter. We hit our 600 follower mark early this week. So thank you to everybody who has followed us on social media. And that yeah. includes our Instagram and our Tumblr as well. If we had one US dollar for every Twitter follower, we would be able to buy a PS3 at its original price. If I mean, if we could actually like get in get in line, you know? Yeah, exactly. So, man, I, I can't believe... Like, aren't there... Statistically speaking, from how much this is sold out, like, hasn't everybody on Earth gotten a PS5 by now? Oh, you're talking about the PS5. See, I was, uh, PS3, oh, I'm sorry, 599 US dollars. Uh, the, <laughs> the, the PS5, my, my uh, I think the PS5, it's it's that it's that darn supply chain, Will. I think it's got something to do oh. with, you know, that uh, fancy-dancy supply chain not working the way it's supposed to. Well, you're right, Lucas. I did mishear you, but whether the three or the five, I don't have either of them. So uh, <laughs> I, I just had that on the brain. It's all even numbers for me. Two and four. I'm going to mm. shoot for the PlayStation Six. Mm. Speaking of years. numbers, uh, we got an episode today. But first, I think we, we got some emails. Correct? Some some letter correspondence. Well, as a matter of fact, we do. But there's actually a couple more things before the emails that I want to mention. This is this is the big reason why I'm actually glad that we're recording today. Just received in the mail today is another cache of stickers Ooh. from Eddie, our patron. 
We gotta get, get get to sticker bombing. Will thank you, Eddie. That's awesome. Yeah, uh, Lucas. I still need to deliver you uh, the ca- the cache of stickers that Eddie has gotten us. That's awesome, Eddie Twenty One, one of our wonderful patrons who has sent who does. Uh, their own custom stickers and I'll be making sure to put this up on our social media today or rather it will be up there already by the time you're hearing this and uh, these include stickers for the Frensky star these include stickers for uh, this there's one of just Buster in the classic uh, Buster Baxter piano tamer pose at the end of that episode and we even got our own we have a little parking sign that says Elwood City Limits I love it. I love it. The the, yeah. the El- Elwood City Limits faithful always comes through. It's awesome. We are so many of our fans have sent us cool stuff or uh, do cool stuff, and I mean we appreciate you. Uh, whether no matter we appreciate you no matter what, but you you got to believe this is this is really really cool. Uh, speaking of the Frensky Star, I also wanted to give a shout out to them. Uh, we always like to say that they are one of the premier. Um, sources of information for Arthur and they just came out with their own their own YouTube their own YouTube channel so you can you can search up the Frensky star on YouTube but they also have a new splinter channel called PBS rewind and their first video is the history of Arthur it's a great watch it's about 20 ish minutes long and it's a great little reminder of where Arthur came from and a look at some of Arthur's biggest episodes I thought it was great that's the Arthur history video for PBS rewind check it out on YouTube and I also wanted to quickly highlight, this was something that the, uh, we were talking about in the Discord last week, but Screen Rant, the, one, of those, one of those websites. Ah! I actually, t- actually, well, I say that because I actually technically kind of used to work for Screen Rant. Um, I worked for the company um, for which Screen Rant is under the umbrella, and I worked for the, wrestl- the, the sports slash wrestling site, The Sportster. So they came out with a piece of content called the Top 10 Arthur Characters. Now, Lucas, it's pretty much who you'd expect, um, but there were a couple surprises in there. Namely, um, at number 10 is Bailey. People have been bigging up Bailey for us for a long time, so apparently he's Top 10 material. And people in the Discord, when I asked, agree with this summation. I can see it. I can see it. I've, I've heard... You know, ruminations about Bailey kind of gets a star-making turn eventually. I, I don't know if we've quite gotten there yet. Uh, he definitely has a fun one-liner every once in a while, but uh, I'm, uh, you know, I patiently await uh, the big Bailey episodes that are sure to come. Me too. And then smack dab in the middle of the list, this is the one I straight up disagreed with, is The Brain? Yeah. Come on! No. And listen... <laughs> Uh, the the evidence against uh, Brain being one of the top ten characters only continues to abound uh, with this episode <laughs> that we're watching today. Uh, so I, I don't see Brain uh, kind of uh, I don't I don't see a, a Brain face turn anytime soon. Listen, I mean with these with these websites and this the, like no disrespect as I said I used to work for basically the same website in a different category. Sometimes you just got to get stuff out there mm. whether you know a lot about it or not. Mm. So and this is hey, I can't exactly blame them for not obsessively watching Arthur. Not everybody has the time or the inclination to do that. But uh, yeah, let's just say I disagree. Now there are other characters on there that are uh, that you know the placements I may disagree with, but their inclusion is is pretty good. So um, you know it's another piece of Arthur content out there. Glad that people are still talking about it. 
And now we can get into the emails. ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com is where you can send those. We had a couple of very interesting ones as I vocally stalled to open my Word document. Uh, yeah, we had a couple of pieces of uh, information. Information. Uh, correspondence is the word I'm looking for. Such as from Caleb. Hey, Will, Lucas, and Mike. I first heard the word aglets used in an episode of one of my other favorite cartoons, Justice League Unlimited. Yeah. While trying to resist interrogation by some villains, the superhero The Question says, the plastic tips at the ends of shoelaces are called aglets. Their true purpose is sinister. Lucas mentioned hearing the word somewhere, and I thought maybe he also saw this episode. So Lucas aglets the plastic tips at the end of shoelaces. Um, I do actually remember that episode very well. Did you ever watch Justice League Unlimited? It's you might be surprised to hear because you know I'm not Mr. Superheroes. In fact, I I've, I really haven't been a big superhero guy for a while. But I actually mm-hmm. quite enjoyed Justice League Unlimited. Uh, I guess I think of it more of a just as a regular cartoon than as a superhero property, uh, which I know sounds silly to say, but uh, I, I really like that show, uh, and I really like the question. But I don't know if that's where I heard the Aglets comment from. Uh, I, I, I think it was a different type of cartoon, like, like a comedy or something, like something like Fairly Odd Parents, but I can't quite put my finger on, you know, where I learned that factoid about the aglets. Well, the mystery continues. If you think that you, uh, <laughs> might be able to help Lucas, maybe you can solve a mystery. But, uh, excellent, excellent reference of, uh, Justice League Unlimited. Love that show. And love the question. I'd love to own that on Blu-ray. Maybe that'll be my next thing since I just got Batman the Animated Series on Blu-ray for cheap as well you know quote uh, quote unquote i'm excited to hear your thoughts on brain gets hooked it's my favorite episode of the season and judging by how much you like the chronicles of buster i think you guys will really enjoy it due to the similar themes and how they both parody something that was popular at the time well caleb we're gonna find out in about mm, let's say half an hour thank you for your email christine hello will lucas and mike greetings from the west coast of canada in the last episode i was a bit shocked when you and lucas seemed to believe that shop class was only an american thing well, that got me curious about what technology education looks like in Nova Scotia. I could tell you that in Vancouver, my public high school had a shop class as well as an outdoor swimming pool and ice rink. Ooh, la di Oh, yeah. There, there sounds like that coastal elite. That sounds like BC to me. <laughs> yeah. With, with, the, with the housing, uh, with the property values out there, I'm sure it did have a swimming pool and an ice rink. No, I'm just joking. Oh, Christine, I'm just joking, Kayla. Christine, little rich girl Christine. over here. In fact, I think some kid at my school ended up building a pretty sweet canoe. Do you guys have a favorite project or thing you made in class? Um, I will say I not in... I should have said it's, it's shop classes only in America and uh, very well-to-do have provinces as opposed to uh, a little have-not province like Nova Scotia. No, I joke. Uh, we did have tech ed here, but nobody was building canoes, that's for sure. No. And really, the things that I um, built, so to speak, were in a class called family studies, uh, which is which would be home economics in uh, the United States or maybe Toronto or something. But yeah, it was called family studies. And that's where you would learn how to cook recipes and how to make and how to like sew stuff. And I actually sewed a pretty darn functional uh, pair of pajama pants that I wore for a couple of years. And I'm very proud of it. It was it was really difficult at the time, and I'm sure it would be difficult for me now, but I did it, and they worked out really well. And they were very comfy, and I enjoyed wearing them. So I, I look back at the, the pair of pants from Family Studies uh, very fondly. What about you, Lucas? Did you have no standout the projects you made with your own two? Not really. I mean, in our tech ed class in, in school, because I did take some sort of tech 
um, we made like circuits. Like, do you know what I'm talking about with like diodes mm-hmm. and stuff? Yeah. Like, sure. Um, and it never got more complicated than that. I'm not much of a handyman, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, back in like Cub Scouts, I, I made like those little wooden cars that they they race, but that's very extracurricular. Hmm. Okay, and the email continues. Being around heavy machinery made me very anxious, so I didn't participate as much as I probably should, but I am definitely a proponent for tech ed as a gateway to get young people interested in the trades. I personally believe we need fewer influencers and more welders. Uh, that's what about Christine. a welding influencer? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, re- yeah, really. I mean, d- depending on where you go on TikTok, you can find a lot of people who do a lot of trade stuff as influencers, so they are not as disparate as you might think. Our last one is from Irene, checking in from perpetually sunny Riyadh, Saudi Arabia. So from all the way across the globe, I'm a United Statesman from the Twin Cities, Minnesota, who has resettled here for the time being. Having lived in such close proximity to Canada most of my life, it's scandalous that I've never been to your country, hopefully in the future. I've been happily working through the back catalog of Elwood City Limits for several months now. I'm closely approaching the present time and most recent episodes. Uh, it keeps me good company while I force myself to exercise on the treadmill. Did you know that the invention of the treadmill can be traced back to what originally was a torture apparatus for prisoners or while doing chores? I was listening recently when some small children, not English speakers, asked me if I was listening to the news. I said, yes, that's right, the news. So, Lucas, our radio-ready voices are still recognizable today. Very it's professional. True. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's now listen here. You should have told those kids the real Arthur news. That's the Frensky star. Yes. Well, and who knows? We might have been, uh, doing some secondary reporting. It, it, true. You know, in a, true. In a uh, way. The, the, the Frensky star is our associated press. <laughs> is Elwood city limits news? Impossible to say one way or the other. Uh, the Irene continues, like many of us, I grew up in Arthur in the nineties, most familiar with seasons one to four. It was on after school in the liminal space of getting home and eating dinner and Arthur in the game kept me company. DW especially speaks to me deeply. I would go so far as to say she's one of the legendary characters of our generation. Who needs you? I've got plenty of ice from Arthur's new year's Eve is my motto because I love to eat ice cubes. Uh, and Irene goes on to say, it's uh, the craving of eating ice cubes, what those in the biz call pagophagia, can be a symptom of an iron deficiency, and my iron tends to be a little bit low. And as DW would say, boy, that's brisk. Something has been gnawing at me ever since all the way back to the episode with Dino Police. I believe that episode's called Dino Crime. It's like, I think that's a... I think that's a single-digit episode. That's how far back that is. In which Lucas got so up in arms about how cartoons exaggerate the likelihood of finding fossils. I'll give you the benefit of the doubt, Lucas, that you specifically meant dinosaur fossils, which are quite hard to find. But I would like to share with you that I have a great success in finding fossils both in Saudi and Minnesota. They are always marine types, shells and snails and all that, which are known to be the most commonly found fossil, but you should know that it's not as difficult as you think. You just need patience and a place where there is or once was water. I found my first fossil out in the Saudi desert. Uh, So don't underestimate the chances of stumbling on a fossil, Lucas. You too may find one if you stare at the ground long enough. Well, there you go, Lucas. I I guess I've been... Uh, this is this is like I've been double lied to my whole life because at first I thought I was lied to that you'd be tripping over fossils all the time, uh, and now it turns out that sentiment was a lie uh, because apparently you you can be tripping over fossils. 
Um, I don't know. I, I need them to send me an email with the guide of how to do this. Because I maybe I just lack the patience involved, but I've I've never I don't think I've ever seen a, a fossil out in the wild in my life. What about you, Will? No, can't can't say I have either. Although I don't know if we're in the best part of the world for it, so that's probably a point against us as well. Calling back to the vomitrocious episode, Lucas had the idea about creating a a black metal style T-shirt with the word vomitrocious emblazoned on it, and Irene sent us kind of a mock-up of what it could look like. Not, not a bad idea, Irene. Lucas, I'll forward that to you. Uh, another one for you, Lucas. She's she's got a lot to say to you. Next time you vacation stateside, come on over to the Minneapolis slash St. Paul area, even for just a few days. There's a famous local steakhouse called Mancini's that actually has your name on it. Oh, interesting. I wonder if I'm related distantly. Um, I would love to visit the, the beautiful Twin City someday. Me too. Yeah. It's always, it's always, I'd love to see the red letter media offices while I'm in Minnesota. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Ra- Random. Go see, the go, wor- goes, yeah. go see a Milwaukee Bucks game. Yeah. Yeah. Milk, <laughs> Milk City, as they say, Will. Oh, Milk City. I'd love to visit Milk City. Or, sorry, Cream City. Cream City. <laughs> whoa, whoa. Okay. That's, all right. That's way different. Oh, dear. Random. The word Yarmish in Arabic sounds like voice actor Michael Yarmish's surname means to blink. The more you know. Pick and choose what you want to read. Cheers to you both for keeping a girl company out here. Looking forward to upcoming episodes. All the way from Saudi Arabia. Wonderful to receive correspondence from Irene and from everybody at uh, ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. Thanks a lot. All right. One last stop before we get into the Arthur episode. Of course, we want to thank our patrons. We want to thank our newer patrons who have just signed up just recently, including Infra90, Howell Pendragon, and Larry Bridget. Larry, please let me know if I mispronounce that. We also have some lovely patrons who have been around around the block a time or two, such as Lauren Rodriguez, Charlie Heckman, Iman Salehian, Emmy the Ghost, JHC, Hannah Kitten, Lawrence, Owen. I go to the second page now. All right. It took a little longer. Lily W., uh, William, and Christine Wong, and uh, Dan Big Challenges Silva, uh, of course. Thank you, everybody for uh, being our patron at patreon.com slash Limits. Our recent episode of For the Kids, a PBS Kids podcast, was a hoot, a hoot and a holler. It was Where in the World is Carmen Sandiego? We had a lot of fun talking about this. So I would True. recommend. If you want to know where she is, there's only one way to find out, and that's to uh, subscribe to the Patreon. Yes, and Lucas is not, he tells no lie. Seriously, if you want to know where Carmen Sandiego is, that episode, we do reveal it. All right, so Arthur, in fact, Arthur is the main character in this episode we're talking about what? here. Can you believe it? Like, now that I think about it, when's the last time we got an Arthur's blank? You know? I was, I, was, uh, I was going through some of the older episodes recently, and it's like, Arthur's this, Arthur and the this, Arthur and the proper noun, and it feels like we've gotten away from that a little bit, which is fine. We've got a lot, we've got a big cast to, to work with, but now we're back to Arthur's blank, Arthur's number nightmare. Yeah, we've been getting away from uh, Arthur owning things, but do you know what we've been getting into, Will? That's mm. numerology. What are your angel numbers? Are we talking about 777? Are we talking about 666? Oh, no, stay back. <laughs> rethink, your, rethink your decisions, 444. Well I, can tell, well, I can tell you that the number, the number seven has always meant quite a lot to me in my life. But whether that's angel, man, I haven't heard angel numbers in a long time. I don't think I, 
am even really sure what that means. I'm uh, I'm so okay. So like, I, I don't know much about this either. But like, people, there's like a thing where it's like numerology, where it's like you, if you see like certain numbers, it means certain things or what have you. And I know that like six six six, though it is, it's most famously associated with like Satanism and stuff like that. What six 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 means in like numerology is like reconsider your decisions, like turn back. Uh, and I used to commute into work, and I would pick up a Tim Hortons breakfast sandwich with a medium black coffee and a hash brown every day. Um, mm. And it would that would. Uh, make out to about $6 and 66 cents. And I'm so bird brained and stupid that like every time I would come up to the window, I'd be like, "Uh Oh, is something bad going to happen to me today? And then I'd be like, Oh no, it's just like, I picked this stuff to buy. And it's like always this price. Humans are pretty superstitious. And, and I can admit that about myself sometimes too, but uh, numbers. Well, you know what? For a, a few years ago, this was, this was actually fairly recent. I used to, I used to get very in my own head about the the like the crows thing, like the number of crows that show up, like you know, one oh, for I've sorrow, two, one for sorrow, two for. I feel like I've talked about this on the podcast before, so apologies if I'm retreading this. Uh, one for sorrow, two for joy, three for a girl, and four for a boy. That's the, with how many crows show up. Oh. So I used to like whenever I'd see a crow, I'd be like, I would look around and be like, okay, what does this mean? And now I, thankfully, have gotten to the point where I can be like, it doesn't mean anything. They're just crows. I, I won't leave my TV on 13 volume still. And really? it's and, and sometimes I feel like more than once I've been like, you know what? 13 would be the perfect volume though. 14's a little too loud on this TV and mm. 12 is just simply too quiet. I wish I could turn it to 13, but I refuse to. I don't want to, you know, anger the spirits or, or what have you. But you're denying yourself. You're denying yourself that perfect, that perfect volume. <laughs> that audio experience. So, yes, Arthur is – well, Arthur's not so much into numerology, but he's wondering, what's the big deal with numbers anyway? Why is it so important to be number one? Can't anything be what it is? Why do we need to assign numbers to things? Mm, mm. And then we, we get this – this is quite the unique intro. Uh, Arthur is lamenting, like, why are we so, you know, focused and fixated on numbers? And then he walks outside and is like – He's in the metaverse or something because there's this like ARG of like all these numbers showing up outside and a voice talking about like all these different numbers, like identifying the year and make and model of a car across the street, telling him what time it is. Mm -hmm. um, the biggest revelation here is we know exactly how much the Reed's house was purchased for, uh, which yes. let me tell you something, Will. Um, I mean, I know, I assume the Reed's bought their house way before Arthur and his, and his sister was born and you know, that would probably be in the early 90s. So that actually kind of would have been a pretty penny for that house at that time. But nowadays, mm. what a deal. Oh, my God. $237,000 is what Lucas is referring yeah. to. 237. I would love to buy a house for $237,000. <laughs> Especially, uh, especially a house in Halifax. Yes, yes. You kidding me? Not even just Halifax. Will like on Dartmouth side. This is gonna make no sense to any of the listeners. But even if we get like fifteen minutes, twenty minutes, a half hour outside of town, a house for that amount of money. Ooh, that's that's pretty good. Especially We're if it's as nice as Arthur's parents' house. You know, double decker with the garage and a yard. It's a pretty, it's a pretty classic house. We're trying to see. We're trying to put our case in for uh, best of Halifax 2022. So we need to keep, mm. need to always keep things local. Keep that local uh, content. Yeah. So as Lucas said, uh, Arthur is kind of seeing numbers everywhere. It's like DW says that she's number one when she wins Confuse the Goose. Uh, Dad Reed apparently weighs 185 pounds. <laughs> all kinds of revelations in this episode. Add all this info <laughs> to the wiki. 
and mom's bank card number. <laughs> so she pretty much doxes herself. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I'm surprised they didn't have, like, and her sin is. <laughs> um, and yes, Arthur sees numbers, numbers everywhere. I also want to shout out here, so DW does a little victory dance when she wins. I really like the animation on the victory dance. I know we've been kind of down on the animation in the recent seasons, but uh, I think this looked really good here. I think uh, she... Um, it, it looked really fluid and it was very pleasing to look at. So the actual episode has to do with the discovery of a list. We see Mr. Haney in his office. One of his papers gets blown all the way outside to Buster. He discovers a list of all the kids in Mr. Ratburn's class with numbers assigned to them, mm. with number one mysteriously illegible. Lots and of li- lots of good Mr. Haney stuff in this episode. As the list is blowing out, Mr. Haney, Miss Haney, Mr. Haney is on like... A um a call from like a telemarketer uh telling him that he won a cruise to Fiji. Uh mm. and Mr. Haiti is such a rube, he's like, I might be eligible for a cruise to Fiji. Why yes, I am interested. <laughs> well, later on he's uh, he's also he's continuing to research cruises as well, like discount cruises. So he's uh, been sold on the idea. Um we discover through the list that Francine is at the bottom all the way at number 24 and Arthur is number two. And Arthur Buster Francine immediately assume that this is some kind of ranking based on grades or behavior or performance or some such. Uh, speaking of Mr. Haney, Lucas, uh, in that phone call, we get confirmation. Mr. Haney's first name is Francis. I know. Mr. The revelations, Francis Haney. The revelations don't stop in this episode. No, you're right. This is this is this is a this has swiftly become a load bearing episode based on how much lore is being added uh, by the truckload. And Buster is pleased that he's number eleven. He says, "I'm eleven. It's one with a twin." But speak, and this is where your numerology comes in, Lucas. Yes. Uh, Buster begins to see eleven wherever he goes. This quickly becomes the number twenty three. Uh, which would not have been, which would have actually been fairly recent. I wonder if they were inspired by that. There's a quick montage where Buster sees the number 11 everywhere he goes. There was a sick bass and sax groove on this scene I really liked. Yeah, I started, I, I started I'm, I'm noticing the new music cues more this season. Yeah. Every once in a while, they bust out something brand new, and it usually sounds really good. And it's noticeable because, of course, with some of these music cues, we've been hearing them for like decades. Um, so Francine, obviously very upset by the fact that she is the bottom of the list. So she goes to see Mr. Haney and she has this imagination where she imagines that Mr. Haney is somehow this, like completely the opposite of any, everything we've ever seen him to be. He's like this hyper competent disciplinarian with this long chalkboard in, and he, uh, is like this strict adherer to the rules of what he calls Echo Sam, or yes. the Elwood City Official Student Assessment Manual, which has all of these arcane and strange rules that determine class ranking. For example, Francine coming into his office without an appointment, well, that's that'll take you minus five points down to number 29. He's, like, obsessed with quantifying every student's performance, and, like... This sequence is one of my highlights of the episode because not only is Mr. Haiti acting out of character, like the way his office looks is different. Like it's peppered with post-it notes, like from from floor to ceiling, all over the office. And when you pause it and like try to read what's on the notes, it's literally just random numbers, like a post-it note right. with nine, ten, thirteen, and it's like, what do the numbers all mean? <laughs> like Mr. Haiti just is like spending the day mulling over these numbers. There's post-it notes on his lamp. 
Yeah, and it's um, it, it gave me, I mean, uh, I hate to put this back to Harry Potter, it gave me very like Dumbledore vibes, or maybe Snape would be more appropriate of just this very strict character. It's also really cool to hear Mr. Haney's voice actor, like, he's normally very like hapless and much light. This is him at Haney at his most severe, and I find it very interesting to listen to. Um, in this fantasy, Francine gets assigned to Gum Patrol for being so far down on the list, which is scraping the gum off the bottom of desks. Uh, meanwhile, Arthur is is high on the hog. He's imagining himself as like the he's not number one, but he is number two. They uh they have a a pop geography quiz where this. Speaking of Carmen San Diego, I would be absolutely sunk in this quiz because you have to name the capitals of Europe on like a blank map. Mm-hmm. And yeah, no, I would be done, dude. But Arthur, Buster kind of gasses him up. He's like, don't worry, you're number two. You got this. And I was like, yeah. And he's starting to get that beloved. The thing I, one of the things I love about Arthur's character is this beautiful, um, this beautiful and horrible confidence that he gets whenever he gets a little bit of confidence in his life he just becomes like measurably a worse person it's true i i I, arthur you know we always talk about how much depth a character like binky has uh but arthur has quite a bit of depth to him too in that he he tends to be one of the more empathetic uh characters and i don't mean like you empathize with him i mean he's very empathetic towards others like he cares about his friends i think he you know he's got a good heart but it's true all he needs is a little bit of confidence and he goes from thinking everyone thinks he's a baby to being just kind of like uh, completely like narcissistic, and and he thinks that like every he, I mean he literally is the main character, but he gets this main character energy. Uh, that's really funny. Yeah, it's like the main character realizes he's the main character and just uh, devolves from there. I all like it happens every time. I love it. Like he imagines himself on what they call the Titan Twelve spaceship, and he's uh going out to be in space because he is number two. Uh, there's a great quote as we're seeing Arthur go out with like the science officer and like the main astronauts and uh, over the loudspeaker it's as we all know the number ra- the number one ranked student whose name I forget came down with the chicken pox so Arthur number two is going into space it reminded me of a of a, of a Simpsons joke in a way it reminds me of um, when Homer uh, has a dream about when he invents like the perfect invention that will take him. Uh, that will like make him tons of money and take away his problems, and he's just like let me let me see the thing, and, and the guy's like, why would you need to see it? You invented the mm-hmm. product in question. <laughs> uh, so again, great great writing there. Uh, Brain eventually finds out about the list. He's not convinced uh, that it means anything great average. It's really Arthur France Francine and Bing uh, not Binky Buster who are putting any stock into this. Uh, Francine is still obsessed with figuring out why she's number 24 and why she's ranked last. Uh, Muffy says, Lucas, get this. Muffy says, you're so class conscious. I I wrote this down as well because, yeah, Francine's really, like, worried about this class ranking. And the joke is Muffy says, you're so class conscious. Um, which is not, if if you had that on your bingo card, bravo, uh, Muffy saying you're so class conscious. That's crazy. Um, just to, just to even hear yeah that that combination of words come out of that character even though it's not it's not at all what it means is wild mm-hmm. I, it blew my hair back for a moment um, next muffy's gonna be talking about praxis and the dialectic and stuff <laughs> like that i don't know dude maybe in the later seasons we know we don't know how far they go maybe maybe they just maybe that's what they do um 
so Francine is trying to find out more about the list. She kind of sort of breaks into Mr. Haney's office, but she's kind of sucking up to him. She wants to be a part of this fall festival, and hopefully that will increase her um, her standing. So she's going to give a speech at this fall festival. She also tries to find the list in Mr. Haney's office. Uh, he conveniently has like a bunch of a bowl of grapes that he's eating from, and Francine accidentally upsets them and then has to basically eat a bunch of them to hide the fact that she spilled his grapes and was looking on his desk. And funny funny because- uh, screen cap here. If you pause right as she's like trying to stuff her face with these grapes, it looks like she's eating out of Mr. Haney's garbage. <laughs> and that's like <laughs> that's like the the shot we get that's supposedly from Mr. Haney's view as he walks back at his office as he sees the Francine on her knees like next to her his garbage just like munching. I totally missed that. I, I, I'm, I'm going to go back and make sure that I and make sure that I screen cap that. Um, so because Francine's mouth is full, she can't object to Mr. Haney telling her to wear this this hideous pumpkin costume. And it's like literally it's it's wider than Francine. And she has to wear it with the little pumpkin hat coming out of it. It's it's very ugly looking. Um, so she has to give this speech at the fall fair or whatever it is. And. In this pumpkin costume. She originally wanted to be corn, but Mr. Haney said that corn's too summery, apparently. Uh, Buster's still obsessed with the number 11. He even says, should I change my name to Maximilian? It has 11 <laughs> letters in it. He's, like, making sure... This Buster really do be giving me... I joked about angel numbers and numerology earlier, but uh, as this episode goes along, Buster becomes more and more obsessed with the number 11. Um, and to the point where he's like putting like 11 cherry tomatoes on his plate. And he's like, I have to do 11 of everything. Right. And it's, you know what, if anybody was going to represent that part of numbers, it's definitely Buster. So it, I'm always what'll happen, that kind of thing. And it becomes eventually revealed as these coalesce together. Uh, Mr. Haney almost absentmindedly reveals that the list itself is, is a seating arrangement. In fact, he has a list of a seating arrangement for the fall fair. And that's kind of, and that's how we end the episode, is Mr. Haney going, okay, Arthur will be number two over here, and Buster will be number five over here. So, wah-wah, it, uh, it was never a power ranking to begin with. Which I guess, by the way, when they first revealed that list, uh, and, and all the kids were kind of trying to figure out what the list was, I was like, there's no way that this is like an actual ranked list. I assume this is like a seating chart or something. And lo and behold, I'm smarter than the children's show. <laughs> that should be like our subtitle. I'm smarter than the children's show. <laughs> um, this was a surprise to me because this, um, we watched both these episodes. There are official uploads on the PBS Kids YouTube channel. Uh, very rare. And that they would have both ends of an episode officially uploaded. And I was also surprised to find that at the end of this story, and now a word from us kids. And now a word from us kids. I know. I mean, I'm glad you brought this up because I wanted to talk about this. Usually, folks, I'm going to part the curtain a little bit here. We sometimes, don't tell PBS, watch these episodes via unscrupulous means, you know? Uh, Whether that be some seedy websites or or some other way think think of all the ways put your imagination to work and think about all the ways you could possibly watch an arthur episode this is why we don't talk about a word from us kids every time um and it was very convenient and nice one to watch this episode in hd quality on youtube from the official channel 
Uh, and two, I two was very surprised. This this episode was uploaded September third, twenty twenty one. So this was uploaded to YouTube not but like two months ago, uh, and they still got the retro word from us kids from the nineties. So or from the early two thousands rather. So the the SD four by three words from us kids. So that was a, a delightful surprise. I totally missed the upload the upload date. It's like we were meant to have it, dude. Also, for only being up for three months, a lot of people have been watching this app, eh? 60,000 views? That's crazy. Wow. So this one is very much feels like a classic word from us kids. It's a, it's about a young, let's say, third grade class creating priority lists of what is important to them and how they go about their day after school. And what's the, or, like, the order of operations in which they, they uh, do things. A um, <laughs> couple of great answers in here. For example... Um, the, the, the whole exercise has the kids creating priority lists and then another kid comes in and like critiques the order in which they do things, which I'm not exactly sure what the, what the value in that is, but okay. Uh, one of them has a girl saying that she takes a shower when she comes home and then she does her homework. And another one says, why do you take a shower before you do your homework? So I don't get my homework dirty. I, I was going to say that's a, that's a big brain tech right there. That's some galaxy brain stuff. Um, you know, I was, whenever I do work, you know, in weird hours, I was always getting everything dirty. Now I know, take a shower first. Cause you know, I'm a I regular mean, pig pen over here. I mean, I, I'm going to say like, if you, like, if you say so, like, I, unless, I mean, unless you're like trotting through the mud or something, I wouldn't think that's necessary, but okay. It's, it is your life. I'm not one to, to necessarily criticize these priority lists. Everybody has different priorities. Uh, for example, there's another girl who, uh, feeds bugs. Which uh, everybody was kind of confused by a little bit. Just like, wait, you feed bugs? I'm like, yeah, I've got a bunch of bugs that I feed. <laughs> and it's just like, all right, we got a, we got a bug feeder over here. Anyway. There, there was another really cute segment where uh, one girl is telling a guy t- that he should shower before he goes to basketball practice. Because that way he'll look extra handsome. Yeah, she said handsome. I was I was a little surprised by that, and they all kind of had a good giggle about that one. Yeah, it very much felt like one of the classic versions of a word from us kids that we would have seen in like the first couple of seasons. All right, we will be talking about the second part of this episode right after this. Hey everybody, it's Lucas from the Elwood City Limits podcast, and if you love ECL, there's a couple of ways to keep up with us. You could go to facebook.com slash elwoodcitylimits, at ECL podcast, that's our Twitter. We take questions on Tumblr, it's elwoodcitylimits.tumblr.com. There is an Instagram as well, Elwood City Limits on Instagram. Of course, if you want to donate to the show and get exclusive content, whether that's our full-length commentary of the Arthur movies, our brand new... A bi-weekly PBS Kids review show, as well as our video game movie reviews with the Sonic movie review and Pikachu movie review. You can check out patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits. Uh, and that's also going to get you access to the Elwood City Limits Discord, which me and Will like to post it from time to time. And if you want that sweet, sweet Elwood City Limits merch, check out teespring.com slash stores slash Elwood hyphen city hyphen limits hyphen store. You can listen to the podcast at libsyn.com slash Elwood City Limits, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and there's other podcast apps like Stitcher. And if we're not on your favorite app, let us know. And where can you let us know? Well, 
That's going to be at elwoodcitylimits at gmail.com. That's also where you can send us a question, and we'll read it on the show. Finally, if you want to support the podcast, the best way to do so is to tell a friend who likes animation or Arthur or just podcasts in general, and to go to our iTunes page and rate us out of five stars. Apparently, that helps podcasts out. Bye, everybody. Uh, okay. Brain gets hooked. Sorry, don't mean to sound completely unenthused by this, but um, yeah, it's it's a brain episode. And if you've been listening for the last little bit, you'll know that the brain is not exactly our favorite character. It didn't start that way. You know, first no. three seasons, I got no problems with the brain. Uh, he was a smart guy that everybody went to for advice. Alan, there's some great brain episodes in there. Uh, but lately, they've they've kind of lost... Uh, lost the plot a little bit. He's been the sheldification of brain has has really completed here, uh, and he's kind of morphed into something else, something a little bit more sinister. Yeah, it really it really does come down to the fact that brain. Yeah, Lucas, you often compare him unfavorably to Sheldon from The Big Bang Theory. It is very much becoming the fact that he seems to exist to be kind of a killjoy, mm-hmm. um, because. I mean, that wasn't always his character. He was, I, I think he always had that aspect in him, but it was never always the focus. He was usually up for a good time, but this time he always, he seems like a bit of a drip, honestly. Yes, like, he's, he's perpetually morphed into Neil deGrasse Tyson tweets about how the thing that you saw in that movie could have never actually happened because of yeah. science. Nobody and yeah, nobody nobody really wants to hang out around that. That's not really cool anymore. Anyway, Arthur is doing the cold open here. He talks about people getting obsessed with things while himself obsessing over popping bubble wrap, which I think there's quite a few people out there, myself included, who can uh, who can uh, relate to that. Certainly, you get me a piece of bubble wrap, and I'm gonna want to pop that sucker. Uh, one of the examples he gives is the time his dad got obsessed with out. Uh, decorating for Christmas, Miss, Mr. Molina. Uh, and I almost wish we got a full episode out of this because this little segment of, of Arthur's dad, kind of Christmas with the crank styles, really going all in on the decorations. And then they take down the city power grid because uh, they've hooked up so much stuff. Um, I would like to see more from that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a nice little taste of the relationship that uh, Dad Reed and Mr. Molina have with each other. Uh, very interesting. And we also saw another one where Buster is clandestinely listening to Grebe's games on like a little portable radio uh, because he felt that if he didn't, uh, then they would lose. Uh, so he was doing his best to support them. Um, the actual episode has to do with, of course, uh, Brain getting hooked on... So I knew Brain got hooked on something, but I never would have guessed it to be this. Lucas, would you believe that at the time where Brain is watching a show called Junior Island, I'm rewatching Lost? No. No, yes. That's that where are you in Lost? Season three. That's so funny. Um I and- I howled when this came up. It was just like Brain's getting ready to go to a um a chess tournament and he turns on the TV and he, it's a show he's never seen before. And he kind of, he does a lot of cinema sinsing it. Mm. Uh, and, but he slowly starts to get into it. Like I said, it's a show called junior Island. It is a lost parody. And yeah, lost I, for kids. I hooted and hollered in my own home. Yes. Lost for kids. 
This is really funny because wasn't in the episode where Buster was obsessed with the fake Lord of the Rings, you were also doing your big Lord of the Rings rewatch? Yeah, yeah, you're you're 100% right. It's so strange. Like, I don't know what's going to happen next. Like, I this, this is kind of weird. I recently got the first five seasons of True Blood on Blu-ray for free. So maybe maybe next week, I don't know, Sue Ellen's going to be getting into uh, – uh, oh, I wish I had a good good parody name for True Blood. Like, I don't know. But but the Arthur version of True Blood, who knows? I don't know. But, yeah, Junior Island, there's – it's I'm, – I'm trying to describe it, essentially, and how I knew it was lost because this, well, this I, game – Well, I knew it was lost. Like, so the first thing we see of Junior Island is – um, the two kids trying to figure out the code for pie in this like kind of like f- research facility and nothing about it really reads as lost but it's when the kids come out of the facility they like like run out and they see a walrus in the jungle and one of the kids remarks that there's like there's there's never been walruses in the jungle and I was like oh this is like the polar bear from lost well and also I think that it's a reference to the hatch like they're yeah. in they're in a hatch like place and they're trying to get out. And the idea is that Junior Island is apparently it, it seems to have like new episodes every every day or something. There's a lot of episodes going on. Um, it seems to be mimicking the fact that Lost, of course, back in the late 2000s was a very bingeable show. And everybody got obsessed with finding out the answers, which is where Brain starts to stick with it. Um, he, you know, he... There's a montage of him talking to everybody about Junior Island and saying, like, isn't this dumb? They're doing this and that. And then he starts to figure out, like, wait a minute. what? Maybe this is why they're on the island. Maybe this is how they get off the island. And that is, as somebody who had friends, who has has friends, I should say, who I, I, do, I do have friends. But I had friends in high school who were this level of obsessed with loss. They were going on to Lostpedia. They were going on to forums. They were, you know, rewatching episodes that they would have taped. It was really hard to rewatch episodes as they aired because there was very there wasn't really TiVo or um, recording onto your cable box or anything. You had to tape the episodes, and and so they were just trying to find every ounce of information. So it brought it brought up some really interesting memories for me. I was never that. I always kind of just watched it as it aired. But it's especially strange, Lucas, as you said. I'm you know back in season three, and Thankfully, binging Lost is taking away it, – it's, it's, a, it's a much different experience because I'm so used to seeing it one episode a week and then several months in between seasons. But now I'm just like, okay, next episode, next episode, next episode. And it's, it's holding up in some ways and in other ways not so much. So well, I, I, I love this. I think Brain will agree with you because – and this is actually the episode playing to Brain's strengths. Like we always complain that he's kind of a party pooper. And he's initially very critical of Junior Island, uh, but that's as, you know, he's becoming more and more obsessed with it. And there's some really funny lines of dialogue. Like, I think Braid literally says out loud, I just want to watch this absurd show for a few more minutes. And I think later on he describes it as inane, like this inane show. (laughs) Um, When he's telling all of his friends about it, and it's, like, obvious he's already become obsessed with it, but he's not quite willing to admit that he likes it earnestly, uh, and he's, like, still insulting it. Uh, I thought all of that was really well done and funny. Well, and I mean, we we can sometimes get trapped in that. I'll be honest with you. That's how I started watching Midnight Mass 
on Netflix. I was like, all right, I'm just going to watch one more episode of this dumb show. And then by the end of it, I'm like in tears at how good it is. Mm. So sometimes that can sneak up on you and you have to, you have to be willing to, you have to be willing to be wrong about this sometimes. I will also give brain credit. So as he's talking about his various nitpicks with uh, different people, he is talking about it with Francine and he mentions that like one of like the girl character is for some reason stronger than the boys. And Francine's like, that's not hard to believe. Like a girl could be stronger than boys. And Brain's like, yeah, you're right. Actually, that's not what I have a problem with. So good. I'm glad that he walked that one back of all the ones. Brain is Brain kind of sucks, but he doesn't suck in that way. So thank you very much. The main struggle here is that Brain is so uh, obsessed with the show. He is trying to write a report on the Magna Carta, but is still obsessed with Junior Island. We also find out that Fern also really likes the show. She eventually finds out that Bur- that Brain is really into it, and she seems to like it for the mystery. She's not. She's like me. I was watching Lost for the mystery and finding out where everything was going to go and how it was going to unravel. Whereas Brain is somebody who would be going on to Junior Islandpedia and figuring out like, okay, the but the numbers were also in this episode, but maybe they show up here. Well, walruses, they're native to this to this part of the world, so maybe they're here. Meanwhile, I was just watching for, you know, who's she going to date? Is it going to be Jack? Is it going to be Sawyer? Freckles? Mm-hmm. You know, who's what that that's what I was there for. No, I'm just joking. Um <laughs> Yeah, I'm in the middle of that right now. I am not here for that, I, I, have, to, I have to say. Um, so uh, in the background to this, this is a, a minor thing because this is the the presentation is part of this report that everybody has to give. Binky very enthusiastically signs up to do a report about uh, swords and armor, and he actually creates his own homemade armor. It's like full knight armor and like a wooden sword. It's actually really cool. And it shows that Binky's like putting a lot of work into this versus Brain, who has gone so far as to create a map of the show based on what he's seen. And he can't help thinking of ways that they could escape the island. But of course, he gives a very lackluster report on the Magna Carta because he didn't really do his research. He just kind of got by on his uh, his his smarts and he gets a bad grade and Ratburn gives him a couple of days grace to do a better report. So now he's really trying to kick the habit. Uh, Fern says to him, never watch more than one episode a day and stay away from the DVD box set. Brain, yeah, like I said, trying to kick his habit. He gives a key, so he does this clandestine system where it's like, he locks the the remote, the TV remote, by the way. It's like, okay, you could lock the DVD in there or something. Uh, he locks it in a cabinet, he locks the key to the cabinet in a different cabinet, and he gives that key to Buster, uh, because he is, Buster's like, I lose keys all the time, he's like, great, lose this one, and he's, and it's the kind of thing of like, no matter what I say to you, no matter how much I beg, do not give me the key, and then he caves immediately and begs Buster for the key back, and we see that it's one in a series of keys, he's got like a key in a toy box, he's got a key in a cabinet to, to, uh, try and kick his habit, but it's not... Not successful, at least at first. Uh, eventually, Fern has to be the one to crack the whip and and tell him and get him on the straight and narrow uh, to finish his report on the Magna Carta. What I also really liked is that by the end of the episode, we do find out 
how the end of Junior Island, or so it seems, or the end, maybe the end of this season. The end of Junior Island is them discovering a land bridge behind the island, which so it, it's really yeah. been Junior Peninsula this whole time. <laughs> That's a good one. I like that one, but it's it's a very like it's played within within the universe as a very like lackluster and insulting ending, which I did find very funny i don't think lost was over by the time this aired but i feel like that was definitely a part what i also found interesting is that this is done through brain and fern are on the phone as brain finds out that it's like it's like oh there was a land bridge on the island all along and brain's like what he's so insulted and fern says to him well i hear in the next season they're gonna they're going to go to a different island and then brain is <laughs> Brain is finally disgusted and then kicks the habit. And he's like, you know what? Okay, I'm done. I'm done with Junior Island. You know, it's um, almost a, a, another show. That era of TV is really funny. That epi- that era of network TV where it wasn't quite the prestige TV era, but there was yeah. these shows that kind of cross over. Like, I think Lost is still a, a notch above some other of the contemporaries of the era. For instance, Prison Break. Yes, which I knew you eventually were say prison break. they got out of the prison, and it's like, well, what do we do now? And it's like, now they're in another prison. <laughs> They, now they have to break into a prison. <laughs> they have to break into a prison, and then also after that, they go to another prison that they have to break. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what I thought of, and and also I, I I don't exactly have the dates in front of me, but that is what happened on Lost as well. Is that famously yeah. they had to go back to the island? Yeah, okay, we gotta go so, back, Kate. Exactly. I'm not there yet, but uh, I'm inter- I'm interested. I'm interested in how my wife will react to it. She's. She's kind of into it, but also oh, so like she's, she's never seen it before. No, it's it never really appealed to her. What's interesting, interesting is that what's interesting is that, you know, I talk a lot about how, oh, you know, I had to wait a week to find out about this or like I had to wait three months to find out what happened out of this finale. And she's like, yeah, I wouldn't have kept watching like that wouldn't have been I wouldn't have appreciated that. <laughs> The mystery like she box. She's free of the mystery box's uh, siren song, it seems. Yeah, she's le- she's leading a cleaner life by not adhering to the mystery box. Anyway, we'll see how we'll see what she thinks as it goes along. That's extra that's, funny because you could you could be like, and this they never explain, <laughs> and this this is just like some random stuff they threw in as a red herring. They never explain this stuff. That's actually my favorite part right now is to is to like watch this and be like, oh right, well that's not important. <laughs> The three toed statue? Forget about it. No, who cares? Um, yeah, j- just getting to have those little asides of just like I've done that with True Blood as well with the, with the free seasons I've got because you know very early on in the show it's established that the main character. Sorry, this is True Blood talk for a second. It's established that the character can read minds except for except for the main vampire and. My wife, who doesn't mind being spoiled, she she has no compunctions about spoiler culture or anything like that. She's like, so wh- why can she read minds? And I'm like, we'll get there. She's like, no, tell me. And I'm and I told her, and she's like, really? And it's just like, yeah, that's uh, yep, that's what it is. I I I won't say it here in case anybody's dying to watch True Blood, but uh, you know, it's pretty silly. Okay, that that is the end of the episode. Brain kicks, brain kicks the habit, and basically, as soon as he kicks the habit, we're out of there. So let's go back to um, Arthur's number nightmare. Back to uh, the main character again, Lucas. How did this one strike you? I I really liked Arthur's number nightmare. Mm. Uh, I thought the episode had a lot of different components happening at the same time. 
Um, you know, it's an Arthur episode, but we're, it's not quite, it's really interesting. It's, it's an episode we don't really see a lot of where it's not just an Arthur episode. Like there's kind of B and C plots happening with Francine and Buster at the same time, but it's also not an ensemble episode. Like Arthur is definitely the star of the show and we just get a handful of scenes with the other characters, but I think it strikes the balance perfectly. Like there's enough going on that the episode has a lot of good forward momentum and it's, it's kind of interesting throughout. Um, and I thought it was really funny. There was lots of stuff that was making me laugh. You know, Buster being obsessed with the there's a there's a part near the end of the episode where uh, Buster is like demanding that everything be eleven, where he's like count them, I demand you count them, because uh, he, he needs it to be eleven. Um, I thought uh, Francine was a good because of her competitive nature, she was a good choice to be the person who was really upset about being at the bottom of the list. Um, and and like we both talked about earlier, it's always fun to see Arthur get a big head uh, and the implications of that, and lots of funny Mr. Haney comments in this one as well so uh i i thought i i really enjoyed the episode i did too i liked i liked it quite a bit too now i will say it kind of uh fizzle like the the end of it kind of came out of nowhere and I, it was one of those ones where i was watching the clock and being like how, how are they gonna wrap this up but i think it also helped that the idea of it was and i don't say this in a bad way like inane in that you, you know you knew that it was never going to be like like a true ranking system. So it was fun to watch the characters work, work themselves into a frenzy over this. And you, you got every end of it. You got Arthur who thinks he's like the greatest thing. Francine, who's trying to dig herself up from the bottom and Buster just gets obsessed over basically nothing. I thought the ways that they did that were pretty imaginative. Like the Mr. Haney, uh, thing. I loved the use of Mr. Haney in this. I think he's a really, uh, underutilized character. I think he can be, uh, very funny and effective in certain roles. And I think this was actually really good. Um, yeah, no, I thought, th I just thought this was fun. It was fun to watch. And we, like you said, Lucas, we got a lot of internal reveals into the Arthur universe that I absolutely didn't expect. That's right. The wiki editors have a ton to chew on from this episode. You better believe it. I, I, I made sure to screenshot mom's bank card number. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to have a good weekend boys. Yeah, that, that true blood box. That's going to pay for itself. <laughs> uh brain gets hooked mm, yeah not as high on this one i will say i do appreciate um the lost parody i think mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. arthur is underrated as a vehicle for parody but they often do it quite well and it is usually pretty timely the parodies that we've seen you know, from the famous example of the uh, Arthur Wright, or not Arthur Wright's story, but like the, you know, the episode where they parody like South Park and Beavis and Butthead and all this kind of stuff, that was like of the time. And as Arthur goes along, it's always a good barometer to be like, ah, this is where we are in pop culture. So watching this season, it's like, ah, we're up to Lost now, which was a phenomenon, a TV phenomenon at the time. So I always think that Arthur does a pretty good job. It's not exactly like, you know, edgy or like a, like a real serious, like, pun like punching parody or anything, but it is usually... It's fun, especially if you're into that thing, you know, whether it be um, uh, the Harry Potter parodies that they do every now and then or this, this Junior Island. I thought that was fun. The episode, though, 
I couldn't help but feel like we'd been here before. Mm. Like, I think, like, we've done episodes like this and just with different characters. It made me think of TV Free Week, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Which, mm-hmm. which I think is very similar to this in the fact that it involves TV and it also involves the obsession. There's a lot of characters who have gotten obsessed before. I think about um, the Sue Ellen playing Virtual Goose episode where she's, you know, I'm in control. I'm in control. So we've seen that before and just the, the limits that people will go to. Like a lot of characters get obsessed. And so for Brain to get obsessed, I, it didn't really add a lot for me. Again, I appreciate uh, I appreciate the use of Fern. And I'm glad that Fern is being used more because now we have a barometer of like what is good use for Fern. Because beforehand it was like any Fern episode is like, oh, thank God, finally. But now that Fern's more regular, we can be like, okay, this was – this could have been anybody. I, I understand that Fern is the mis- like she loves mystery, so it makes sense that she would be into Junior Island. But I felt like personality wise, I, di- I didn't really feel it from her in this one. And in my notes, a lot of the notes that I've taken are very much asides to Lost versus what happens in the episode itself. It's very basic. Mm-hmm. And it's also with a character, as we've admitted, Lucas, you and I are not really that fond of. So in the end, you know, we're just doing the, a style of episode that we've done before with a character that we don't really care to see it with. So other than the lost parody stuff, which I do appreciate, this one didn't do anything for me. Yeah, I I don't think I feel quite as negative about it, but I definitely don't think that this episode is necessarily a slam dunk, and it's for all the same reasons you mentioned. First and foremost, and I think the biggest problem I have with it, is that it is just a little bit too reminiscent of the Chronicles of Buster. Uh, all up to right, like too, uh, yes. having, you know a DVD box set being a plot device, right? In Chronicles of Buster, he becomes obsessed with the DVD uh, features and it's starting to um, impede his life, his everyday life. He's missing like, basketball. It's, I think, it, it, it impacting school. Similarly, how to Brain's obsession with the fake Lost is impacting school on this one. So that's really where that feeling of been there, done that comes from is that not only have we seen this kind of plot line based on his obsession, we've seen this plot line based on an obsession based on a very similar piece of media um and so it just feels a little bit too samey um and i agree that you know the best parts of this episode is when it's a lost parody and those parts are really funny and really creative but if you remove that like if you were to make the episode about something else that brain was obsessed with the rest really doesn't stand out that much to me i will say my highlight of the non uh, and this part I actually really did find quite funny. My highlight of the non-lost segments is when Brain is kind of manically trying to lock away the DVD box set. And so he, like, ha- you know, he locks it away and then he hides the key and then he p- puts that key behind a locked door and then he gives that key to Buster. And he does, like, werewolf-style rules where he's like, no matter what I say to you, don't let me have the key back. Uh, but that all kind of is immediately... Um, kind of fizzles out because he just grabs it from Buster anyway. So it's all for naught. Um, but I, I, I thought that joke was pretty funny. But besides that, yeah, it was just a little bit too samey to other similar episodes. I will say that as much as we give Brain a hard time, um, I actually don't dislike this episode for the brain of it all uh, as much as I've disliked other Brain episodes. It's not like he was annoying me. Like him kind of being a Neil deGrasse Tyson about this Lost parody uh, actually kind of worked for me because at the end of the day, it's like as much as he's criticizing it, he's kind of into it the whole time, right? And and he's kind of in denial that, especially at the start, he's in denial about how obsessed he is with this show. Um, And so 
to me, that's kind of the, the show signaling like, yeah, we know that Brain kind of being uh, a Mr. Know-it-all about this stuff kind of sucks. But you you can see that he's totally being ingenuine here and, and that deep down he like really, really enjoys watching this show because he's so obsessed with it. Um, so I, I wasn't so much annoyed with Brain this one, but I, I agree that this episode is just a little bit too much of been there, done that. Yes, and especially as you and uh, I believe it was Caleb mentioned in our emails, yeah, the Chronicles of Buster, like, just happened. So I was watching this whole thing, I'm just like, we just did this. Granted, it had a little bit of a different focus, but all the same. Anyway, uh, it was still definitely interesting to talk about, for sure, so I'm always grateful when we have lots to say about Arthur episodes, whether good or not so good. And thank you for listening to us talk about Arthur, as always, here on Elwood City Limits. Coming up in, uh, well, coming up next week, we continue on with our series for patrons, for the kids, a PBS Kids podcast, and it's Lucas's pick. We're going to be talking about Clifford the Big Red Dog, which, hmm, as a matter of fact... Is, uh, is in the news lately, given that uh, he just had a feature film make yeah. it into the theatries. I, uh, I guess we're watching that, eh? Like, we, me and Will had a conversation <laughs> off air, and folks, you know, you know how much I love to torture Will by making him watch these video game movies, and to the point where it kind of didn't even get close to being Arthur or, or kids cartoon tangentially related with Monster Hunter. Um, well, folks, the chickens have come home to roost because I think we're going to be watching that Clifford movie, but also the more I see from that Clifford movie, the more I'm like, wait a minute, there might be something here. Clifford is... Um, destroying the public infrastructure of this town in a way that just seems so crazy that I, I might have to watch it. So we'll, we'll stay tuned for our thoughts on the Clifford movie someday. I will say, maybe, the, maybe this is the time to reveal it, is that we've also gotten a couple of requests about our thoughts on another movie. So, you know, I, um, I was talking about on Twitter recently how I went to go see Halloween Kills. Terrible movie. Uh, and I felt like my experience at the theater was not all I had built it up to be over quarantine. I was like, that's the number one thing that I can't wait to do. And I went to the, back to the theater. And I'm like, I don't know. I'm kind of over it now. But I think I'm going to go back to the theater a couple of times because how's this for a shot and chaser? We are going to talk about the Clifford the Big Red Dog movie coming up very soon as an ECL movie review. But it's going to be a double review <laughs> Because I'm going to go to the theaters. I'm going to go see the hottest movie of fall 2021. I'm going to go see Dune. And me and Lucas are going to talk about Dune. Dune, that's right. Don't use the voice on me, Will. Uh, or no need to use the voice. Because we're going to be talking about Dune um, of our own accord. I'm excited. Interesting I, stuff in that movie. I I, I mean, I'm going to I'm gonna drag my butt to the theater. And I, I don't think I'll be disappointed. I'm very interested to see. I'm very interested to see it. Uh, it's just going to be a weird really weird double feature of Dune and Clifford the Big Red Dog. Uh, Such is my life. A weird double feature. And then coming up on the next episode of Elwood City Limits, uh, you can expect that movie review probably sometime either near the end of the month or into December on Patreon. But coming up in two weeks on ECL, we'll be back talking about Mechfrensky and the good, the bad, and the binky. So two title parodies there. We'll have to see exactly what they're talking about. Thanks, everybody. We really appreciate you listening, and uh, we hope to see you either on Patreon or back here on Elwood City Limits. Either way, appreciate you being here. My name's Will Young, and for Lucas Mancini... Buster, you have a different lucky number every week. We'll see you next time.